It's a pleasure to be back with you this morning. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 12:26. As I had mentioned last week with the Richmond Study Center, part of what we like to do is uh, look at and ask the question, what is a biblical worldview? You know, we, we tend to be so fragmented in the way we think about the world we live in and our lives. It's refreshing to realize that all of reality is one and our lives are one and God gives the one unified perspective of all of life that we ought to have and every piece and part and aspect fits into that. So this morning as we look at Proverbs chapter 12 verse 26, I just want us to ask the question, how should we view friendships? You know, relationships and friendships are core and foundational and integral to our lives, so it's important uh, that we look at that. And Proverbs is really a fascinating book. We've, we've been looking at Proverbs with our little girls, our five-year-old and three-year-old recently, almost three years old. It's very practical, isn't it? Uh, Proverbs is known as uh, perhaps the most, one of the most practical books in the whole Bible. It really does get down to the nitty-gritty of life where the rubber really meets the road. It deals with things like money, sexuality, how to raise children, how to treat the poor, and the list goes on and on and on. And it also deals with how to choose your friends and how to relate to your friends. And that's what we're going to consider uh, this morning. So read with me Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. And I'm reading from the NIV. I'm not sure if that's the version you have or not. Different translations can translate this particular verse a little bit differently, but I'm using the NIV. Proverbs 12, 26. Hear God's word. A righteous man is cautious in friendship, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. That's our short text for this morning, so let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We praise you that you are the one true and living God, and we thank you that you have communicated and revealed your truth, your goodness, your grace to us through your word and through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have poured your spirit out into our hearts, and we pray that through the spirit of your Son, you would uh, work in us to be molded more into the image of Christ, and through us, you would bring people to yourself. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You're probably used to uh, more expository preaching, going through a certain book, uh, paragraph by paragraph, or something to that effect, which is really Good. This is not going to be that. <laughs> this, is, this is going to be more of a topical sermon, uh, which is okay. It's, it, that's fine as well, I think. And we're going to be focusing on Proverbs 12, 26, but then we're also going to be looking at the theme of friendship throughout Proverbs and beyond that throughout the Bible as a whole. And basically what I want us to look at as we consider a biblical perspective of friendship, of relationships, is, is two things. One, how to choose your friends. And two, how to relate to those friends that you have. Uh, first, how to choose your friends. And let me just say up front that, you know, you, you may be thinking, well, I've kind of already done that. I've, I've moved on to the next stage of my life. I've chosen my friends. That's and there may be some truth to that where we choose our friends early on and growing up and in college. Certainly, that's applicable 
in you know, the, the school years and the college years. We're constantly choosing our friends. But, but we're always choosing our friends. Isn't that, isn't that just a reality at every stage in our lives? We're always thinking, uh, even if it's subconscious, what friends we're going to maintain, what friendships we're going to maintain. And as we run into new people, which inevitably we do, just psychologically in the back of our mind, we're kind of thinking through, is this a person that I want to enter into real friendship with or not? We're always doing that. Those kinds of opportunities are always presenting themselves. Well, one of the big points of our text this morning is just the mere fact that we need to be very intentional about choosing our friends. Okay, if that's one thing you take away, that's, there, there are two or three things I really want you to take away. That's probably number one. Be intentional in choosing your friends. Proverbs 12, 26 says, A righteous man is cautious in friendships, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Literally, what it's saying is the righteous person searches out his friends. It's, it's like a it's like a recon mission, going out to gather intelligence. That's the sense of this passage. I don't know if you really thought about friendships that way, but that's what this text is getting at. Search out your friends. Be intentional in choosing your friends. Well, why, why is this such a big deal? What, why is this so important? The reason it's important is because you become like those that you are closest to. And that's probably another little nugget you ought to really put a star next to and, and come away from this with. You become like those that you are closest to. When I was growing up living in my parents' house, we, I, I'm from Georgia. I'm a deep south boy. And uh, my, my dad is from Georgia originally. My mom is from Michigan originally. And I remember, you know, uh, oftentimes coming home from school, and I would, you know, my mom was constantly talking on the phone. I don't know if any of you can identify with that or not, but that was, my mom loves to talk, and she especially loves to talk on the phone. And uh, every once in a while, so, so when I come home from school, she's always on the phone. She's always on the phone, whether, no matter what I'm doing. But every once in a while, I'd come home, and of course, as usual, I'd see her on the phone, but I would hear her talking again in that northern accent. And without her telling me who she was talking to, I would just say, tell Jill, I said, hey, her sister from Michigan, <laughs> because she's picking up the accent of the one that she is close to again. We are like those that we are close to. Proverbs 13:20 says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And, and biblically, when the Bible, when Proverbs specifically talks about the wise person, it's talking, in essence, about someone who is actively looking to God in his word for wisdom and truth. And the fool essentially refers to the one who is looking to himself to satisfy his own desires and passions. So that's what Proverbs is talking about when it refers to the wise man and to the foolish man. He who walks with the wise grows wise. You become like those that you walk with. Other examples in Proverbs of how you become like those you are closest to. 
One is found in Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered. Or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. It's a clear uh, principle found in Proverbs. You become like those you are closest to. So be cautious in friendships and who you choose as your friends. Now, if you're thinking biblically, you might be objecting right now, and you should be, because there's a little bit of an issue here. I mean, after all, wasn't Jesus known as the friend of sinners, right? And, and you know, when the Gospels refer to sinners, it's basically referring to people that you would not want to be like. Okay, so it's hitting on this theme in Proverbs. In fact, uh, flip to Matthew eleven nineteen with me real quick. In Matthew eleven nineteen, 19, uh, Jesus is uh, speaking to the crowd Let's, let's go back to verse 18. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man, referring, Jesus referring to himself, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her, by her actions. So the point of me reading that is Jesus had built for himself a reputation, a bad reputation, for being the friend of sinners. Uh, Mark 2, verse 15, says, While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And that's a big deal, especially back in that culture, when you had tax collectors and sinners in your house, you know, at, over, you know, you're dining in the same house together. Luke 15, 2 says, The Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. In other words, they complained, they griped. This man, referring to Jesus, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And again, sinners referring to those that, uh, from God's perspective, you would not want to be like. Well, somehow we have, to do, we have to do justice to both of these things, don't we? Somehow we have to do justice to, on the one hand, being the friend of sinners, because that's the example of Jesus himself. And yet, according to Proverbs, not being a companion of fools. Well, how do we, how do we sort this out? Well, let's, let's take a step back and let's look at the life of Jesus himself. Yes, Jesus did come to be the friend of sinners. And Jesus calls us to follow him. And that means we, we copy him in his lifestyle. <laughs> it means more than that, but that's part of what it means. But it's also fair to say that Jesus knew his Bible. Jesus knew Proverbs. And as a human being, Jesus knew the importance of following Proverbs. As a human being, Jesus himself was called by God to, to obey the wisdom found in Proverbs. And it's, it's interesting, when you look at the life of Jesus himself, who were Jesus' closest friends? But... Peter, James, and John, his, his inner circle, so to speak. 
So it seems like what we see in the life of Christ is Jesus truly is the friend of sinners, and yet he's very cautious about those that are closest to him. As a human being, he sees the need for that wisdom. So the application for us is, number one, we need to avoid living in a bubble. Do you have real friends that are of the sort that you would not want to be like? If we're following Jesus in that way, then, then we should because that's what it means for Jesus to be the friend of sinners. And if that's not the case for us, and often it's not the case for us, we need to think about how we need to reshape and reorient our lives so that we can truly say we are being followers of Jesus in this respect. But we also need to be intentional about who we choose as our closest friends our inner circle, so to speak, because that's who we will become like. And it needs to be, first and foremost, as we're considering, you know, when you, when you meet a person or you're beginning to get to know, get to know a, an individual, you've kind of got that subconscious internal dialogue going on. You're kind of sizing them up, you're kind of sizing up the potential of the relationship. Is this someone that I really want to hang out with more? Is this someone that I really want to grow closer to? We're always doing this, whether we're aware of it or not. Or is this someone that maybe I want to maybe begin to part ways with for one reason or another? We always have that internal dialogue going on, whether we're aware of it or not. And as we're thinking about those that are closest to us, as we're making those decisions of who to grow uh, grow closer to and have in our inner circle, so to speak, it needs to be first and foremost someone who fears God. We need to ask, does this person fear God? Is Is this person walking the path of wisdom? Does this person encourage me to grow to be more like Christ. Proverbs 13:20 says, "He who walks with the wise grows wise." That's what that proverb is getting at. And that's what I think this passage and uh, the Bible as a whole is uh, revealing to us regarding the question of how to choose our friends. It's something we really need to, to ponder and think about and be praying about. The second thing I want to get into regarding this passage and this topic is, how do we relate to the friends that we have? What do we do once, we, once we've chosen our friends, once we've entered into relationships, and we have some friends that are close to us and some friends that maybe aren't as close, but they're genuine friends nonetheless. How do we relate to the friends that we have? And there are, certain, there are many proverbs and many things throughout the Bible that address this. And there are certain proverbs that we can easily agree with that we really resonate with. For example, Proverbs 15.30 says, these are just some very nitty-gritty practical types of things, a cheerful look brings joy to the heart and good news gives health to the bones. That's how you can serve your friends. Have you ever thought about it in such a simple, practical little way? How can I serve my friends? How can I love my friends? How can I serve and love my brothers and sisters in Christ? Something very simple, very practical. A cheerful look. 
brings joy to the heart. And good news gives health to the bones. Proverbs 27.14, and especially any college students here might be able to identify with this. If a man loudly blesses his neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. <laughs> okay, if, you're, if you wake up late, you can understand that. Hey, good practical wisdom. My man might be something you haven't thought of before. But then there are other proverbs that tend to take us off guard and kind of cut against the grain of our assumptions. For example, especially down in the Deep South, and it's probably true here to some extent too, a friend is always welcome. Come on over anytime, right? But <laughs> Proverbs 25, verse 16 and 17 says this, If you find honey, eat just enough. Too much of it, and you will vomit. <laughs> the Bible's so direct. <laughs> Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you, and he will hate you. That is striking. It is striking. But it's God's wisdom. It's not what we think, especially in the deep south, right? We, the deep south is such a, I was going to say a big lie. I don't want to overstate it. I'm from the deep south. It's a great place. But we don't speak the truth in the deep south. We say, come on in, and what we're saying is, I hope I don't see you for a while. I mean, that's, I mean, that's just the deep south. We don't speak the truth. And I remember in seminary, uh, uh, this same kind of thing happened to me where <laughs> I learned this through experience. I had a, uh, a classmate of mine, a new friend. He's older than me, married with almost grown kids. And, and he, I was young, seminarian, single, all the rest. And he kind of took me under his wing and truly did love me and, you know, befriend me and, and um, basically said, hey, look, you come on over anytime. And, and went so far as to say, whenever you're hungry, come on over. We've always got a chair for you at the dinner table. Just come and be a part of our family. And, of course, I took him up on it. You know, I, I thought that was great. But over time, after maybe a, a couple years passed, when I started knocking on the door and showing up, you know, they came with a cheerful look, but then when they realized who it was, their countenance kind of dropped, and they basically said, oh no, here he is again. <laughs> so I learned through that experience that even your friends seldom set foot in your neighbor's house too much of you, and he will hate you. Of course, Proverbs is a book of wisdom, and it, a lot of it's about, a ba it's about balance and how to know what to apply when, but it's something we need to take away and not live in ignorance of such things like I did a while back. Um, another example of how uh, Proverbs kind of cuts against the grain of our assumptions is when a friend of yours uh, is hit with a certain tragedy in life, our temptation is to try to uh, uh, somehow lift them back up and uh, bring some light or joy back into their day. And maybe we even say something like, cheer up, it's not that bad after all. Look at all the ways God has blessed you. Let's be thankful for that. You know, good meaning. We're, we're, we're trying to help our friends. But Proverbs 25:20 says, like one who takes away a garment on a cold day or like vinegar poured on soda is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. 
we tend to want to cheer people up. We're uncomfortable for people not to be cheered up around us, especially when we're cheered up. It makes us very uncomfortable. So maybe we're, maybe we're serving ourselves more. I don't know. We tend to want to cheer people up when they have been hit by adversity, but we need to learn, as Jesus says, for example, to grieve with those who grieve. So, and I think we kind of all know that, but it's hard to do. So that's, that's a, an example of how Proverbs uh, leads us and how to relate to our friends in ways that often cuts against our assumptions or our, our practice. But ultimately, if you want to know how to relate to your friends, you need to know the purpose for which God has given you those friendships. This is another thing you ought to star <laughs> and really take away. If you want to know how to relate to your friends, you, you really need to make sure you understand the purpose for which God has given you those friendships in the first place. And it's interesting to take a step back and ask the question, what is God's purpose himself in entering into friendship with us? Because it's fair to say that we should probably copy him in that, as Ephesians 5, 1 says, copy, be imitators of God. Well, let's look at that. Pro, uh, excuse me, Romans 8, 28 and 29, Paul says this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. For what purpose? Those that God foreknew, he also predestined for the purpose of being conformed into the likeness of his Son. God's own purpose for entering into relationship with us was to mold us more into the image of his Son. So our purpose for entering into relationships with one another, as we copy God, ought to be the same. Proverbs 27:17, in essence, says the same kind of thing. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And this is really exciting. If you, if you just kind of take a step back from this and kind of look at this theologically, and you look at this in terms of what God is up to in our world, it's really exciting because the reason God sent his son to the cross that's the core of history. That's the core of all reality. That's the core of God's heart. That's the core of what God is up to in this universe that he's created. It's the core of everything. The reason God sent his son to the cross was to bring us to himself so that he could mold us more into the image of his son. That's what God is up to. That's what God is all about. And what's even more exciting than that is we get to participate in that. After all, how is it that God accomplishes the goal of molding us more into the image of his son except through our relationships, our friendships with each other as we participate and we, and we see the purpose of our friendships in the same kind of way. And through that, God carries out his work. So it's exciting. We get caught up in this great cosmic purpose of God, and we find out that our friendships, our relationships, as we're intentional about them in this kind of biblical way, turns out to be the very instrument through 
which God is accomplishing his own cosmic purposes. It's thrilling. It's exciting. So we are called to help one another to grow more into the image of Christ. So in your friendships, be intentional. We tend to think about our friendships as just who we like and who we natu- who, what we have in common with people and who we naturally gravitate to. And that's fine. But do you, do you have this aspect of intentionality with a biblical perspective? Look for opportunities to encourage each other when you see each other walking in the way of wisdom from a heart that fears God. Encouragement is a big instrument. On the flip side, don't be afraid to gently correct each other when you see a friend drift from that path of wisdom and be ready to be corrected yourself. In so doing, you are fulfilling God's purpose for your friendship. Those are kind of two sides of the same, co- same coin. Encouragement when you see a friend walking the path of wisdom to encourage them on and then gentle correction when you see those drifting away. Proverbs 15.31 says this. I love this. You need to mark this. He who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. Isn't that interesting? You don't often think of a rebuke as life-giving. You think of it as death. (laughs) I'm being criticized. It's not something to be embraced. But it's interesting that Proverbs calls it a life-giving rebuke because that's an instrument through which God is working Christ-likeness into our lives. He who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. Are you willing to engage in your friendships in this kind of way? Are you willing to listen and be corrected by a friend who desires to see you to grow more in Christ? And conversely, are you willing to serve them in the same kind of way as you are intentionally engaging them in that friendship? This is what it means to be the friend that God has called us to be. Let's pray.